Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Smith coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado, and we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. On today's program, the Florida Baptist State Convention has been defrauded of more than $700,000. We'll explain how the fraud worked and how you can keep your church or ministry from becoming a victim. Former Hillsong pastor Carl Lentz is back in the news and is soon coming to a television near you. And we'll also take a look at a group of Christian ministries in Nebraska who are withdrawing from the local community foundation over that foundation's requirements to affirm LGBTQ rights. We begin today with a pair of stories related to Rick Warren and California's influential Saddleback Church. On May 15, London-based Spurgeon's College announced that it had named the former megachurch pastor, Rick Warren, as the school's first ever honorary chancellor. In April, a ceremony in California officially concluded his installation. Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon established the college in 1856 as a pastor's college. And today, the institution trains over 5,000 men and women each year for Christian mission and ministry, making it the top evangelical college in the United Kingdom. Now, Rick Warren's role will be primarily ceremonial. He will serve as an ambassador for the school. Uh, But Rick Warren said that this is important to him. He said that he has a deeply personal family connection to Spurgeon and to the school. One of his great-grandfathers was born in London and came to faith thanks to Spurgeon. And he added that Spurgeon was responsible for his family moving to America. After attending Spurgeon's college, his relative migrated to America to help plant churches here. Well, our next story regarding Rick Warren and Saddleback has a more direct implication on what is happening here in the American Evangelical Church. Saddleback Church has installed a new female pastor to lead its Lake Forest, California campus, even as the megachurch prepares to appeal its ouster earlier this year from the Southern Baptist Convention for precisely this, for having women pastors on staff. Now, Saddleback lead pastor Andy Woods, who took Rick's place when Rick retired, announced during a worship service last week that Katie Edwards, who is a former student pastor, is taking over from Lake Forest campus pastor and elder Jason Williams, who has transitioned to the position of executive pastor of ministries. Saddleback, founded by author and pastor Rick Warren, is one of the nation's largest churches with more than 54,000 members among multiple campuses. Edwards was one of three women that Saddleback ordained as a pastor in May of 2021, along with Cynthia Petty and Liz Puffer. Stacy Woods, who is Andy Woods' wife, has also preached regularly at Saddleback, and she's officially listed as a teaching pastor. Because of Stacy Woods' role, the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention earlier this year ejected Saddleback, finding that the church was not in friendly cooperation with the convention for defying the SBC's policy against placing a woman in leadership roles a practice seen as 
by the Southern Baptists at least, a direct opposition to apostolic teaching. Saddleback also announced this week that it is appealing its disfellowshipping from the SBC at the denomination's annual meeting, which will take place in June in New Orleans. The executive committee will vote at that time to either reinstate the church or make the dismissal permanent. Our next story highlights the impact of cyber fraud on churches. It sure does, and it's an important story that I hope uh, anyone who is a church leader or a pastor or a ministry leader is paying attention to. The story is this, that the staff at Florida Baptist Convention thought that they were sending mission money to help pay for church planting, but then the money disappeared, more than $700,000. How did the fraud occur? Well, the matter is still under investigation, but here's what we know. The Florida Baptists are one of about 40 state conventions affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention, and the funds that they were transferring to the North American Mission Board of the SBC uh, was supposed to go to church planting. It was uh, kind of a situation where the Florida Baptists and the North American Mission Board were partnering on this uh, activity. But that process was interrupted when the Florida Baptist staff received an email that claimed to be from the North American Mission Board, but was in fact not. And it requested that the funds be sent to a new bank and a new account number. Now, this fraudulent email, uh, you would think, would be easy to catch. But according to a statement released by the Florida Baptist, it reflected in this their words a general knowledge of the communications and practice between the SBC entity and the convention. So was this an inside job? Well, it's clear that the thieves indeed did have some knowledge of the Southern Baptist Convention and the Florida Baptist Convention and the North American Mission Board and their procedures. But the Florida Baptist in that same statement said that they have, at least at this point, no reason to suspect malfeasance by any convention employees. So what's going to happen next? Well, convention leaders said that they will honor their commitments to support the churches and ministries despite this loss. They're going to draw on their reserves in order to do so. They also said that they would add to their cybersecurity procedures, which, according to leaders, already included training regular information systems upgrades and advanced detection software. They also warned other churches about the ongoing danger of cybercrimes saying that these types of attacks will continue to plague organizations of all sizes and scope. We encourage pastors and churches to remain diligent with the security of their IT and financial systems. This specifically includes critically scrutinizing any and all requests, even those from a supposedly well-known source that request a shift from historical payment practices. And this is not the first time that this sort of thing has happened to a Southern Baptist church. It's sure not. In fact, earlier this year, a church in North Carolina reportedly lost close to $800,000 after receiving a fraudulent email. And we reported that when it happened. Yeah, we did. It's Elkin Valley Baptist Church, and they were involved in a construction project, which, of course, thousands of churches all across the country are at any given moment. And they received what they thought was a bill from their contractor. The church paid the invoice promptly using a money transfer from their account into what they thought was the contractor's account. It's something that they had done before. 
The only problem is that the invoice was fake and the fraud was discovered only after the contractor contacted the church to ask why they hadn't been paid. And by then, of course, the thieves had closed the fake account and were long gone. Warren, we need to take a break. When we return, the latest chapter in the saga of Hillsong and one of its former pastors, Carl Lentz. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith. We'll have that story and much more after this short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host, Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Well, up next, the story we promised before the break, it's the story of disgraced Hillsong pastor Carl Lentz and his return to ministry, though Lentz himself says he's not in ministry. Former Hillsong New York City pastor Carl Lentz announced on social media that he is no longer, quote, in ministry, end quote, but he did join the staff of Transformation Church, which is in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He told followers that he is not preaching and not overseeing people and said that his role is now to help give perspective and insight where he can. But even while denying that he's back on the platform, he was also promoting in the same social media post the upcoming FX Network series called The Secrets of Hillsong, which will feature Lent's first public interview since being let go by Hillsong, New York City, due to a sexual and leadership scandal. Lentz was fired from Hillsong, New York City, in November 2020 over leadership issues and moral failures, including multiple affairs. In March, Ministry Watch reported that a source close to Lentz confirmed that he and his family had relocated to Tulsa and were attending Transformation, which is a non-denominational megachurch led by Pastor Michael Todd. According to the source, Lentz had launched a consulting and coaching business at that time as well, and his clients did include other churches. Warren, our next story involves yet another community foundation that is making it hard for Christians to have access to its funds. Lincoln Community Foundation in Lincoln, Nebraska, which of course is Nebraska's capital, is now requiring nonprofits 
to agree to an anti-discrimination policy in order to participate in its May 24th annual giving event, which is called Give to Lincoln Day. In response, about 40 Christian ministries have pulled out of the event rather than agree to a policy that they say violates their beliefs. The requirement states that, and I'm quoting here, registering nonprofits must affirm that they do not discriminate as to race, religion, gender, sexual orientation, age, national origin, ethnicity, marital status, military status, disability, or any other status prohibited by applicable law in the provision of programs in services or in employment. It notes that religious groups may consider religious affiliation in their hiring decisions in accordance with Nebraska laws. It does, but the Nebraska Family Alliance, a group that advocates for biblical marriage, family values, and religious freedom, has withdrawn itself from the Give to Lincoln Day event because of the anti-discrimination requirements, noting that they go far beyond any non-discrimination requirements under Nebraska law. In an email to supporters, the Nebraska Family Alliance said that Lincoln Community Foundation originally asked participating groups to affirm the Southern Poverty Law Center's hate map. Now, that hate map is a controversial document. It doesn't just name violent and extremist groups, but it also lists some Christian organizations like the Family Research Council because it opposes same-sex marriage and other special statuses for LGBTQ groups. The hate map requirement, in part because of the protest of the Nebraska Family Alliance, was subsequently dropped, but the requirement to affirm the anti-discrimination policy has remained in place. When we need to take another break, when we return our lightning round of ministry news of the week. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. We like to use this last segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. What's up first? Well, up first is another story about the decline of religion in America. A shrinking number of Americans, about 16% now, say that religion is the most important things in their, thing in their lives. And now that's down from 20%. Uh, about a decade ago in 2013. And nearly three in 10 people, or 29%, say that religion is not at all important to them. That's up from 19% a decade ago. 
Those are among the findings of a new survey by the Public Religion Research Institute on religion and congregations that it put in the field back in 2022, but they just published this past week. The survey also found that 24% of Americans said that they now belong to a religious congregation different from the one they grew up in, and that's up from about 16% when they asked that question last, which was in 2021. Is there any good news in this survey? Well, actually, Natasha, there is uh, an overwhelming number of regular attenders of church, about 82%, say that they're optimistic about the future of their own congregation. And a whopping 89%, 9 out of 10, say that they're proud to be associated with the church they attend. Well, that's not the only survey in the news this week. That's right. Ministry Watch uh, did our own survey, and uh, we've been doing this now quarterly. This is the third quarter. We've put a survey of uh, ministry leaders in the field. This quarter, uh, we took a look at the age of Christian leaders, and we found that most of them are over the age of 60. In fact, a whopping 91% of survey respondents, and by the way, the survey was of the CEOs of the thousand largest Christian ministries in America, 91% of them were over the age of 50, and more than 57% of them were over the age of 60. And I should note as well that not one of the respondents was under the age of 40. Uh, The same aging trend has been seen among other surveys that uh, we've noted. Uh, A recent article in Christianity Today said that just 16% of Protestant senior pastors were under the age of 40. The average age is 52. The average age, by the way, has risen from 44 to 52 in the last 30 years. Furthermore, in the next seven years, according to the Barnett Group, one quarter of pastors hope to retire. So there's definitely going to be a change of of the guard among ministries and churches in the years ahead. Right. So with aging Christian ministry executives, succession planning is key to an organization's long-term continuity. It sure will be. In fact, uh, business consulting uh, firm Deloitte calls it the holy grail of effective leadership, saying that you're really not successful until you have a successor in place. According to its research, though, only about 14% of organizations handle succession planning well. Succession planning involves creating a talent pipeline by preparing employees to fill vacancies in a ministry as others retire or move on. Last week, we highlighted our monthly list of the largest Bible translation and missions organizations in the country. This week, we have the latest installment of our Pastors and Plains list. We do. Uh, April was a busy month for pastors and their private planes. Pastors and ministry leaders made 371 flights uh, during the month of April. That matched almost exactly a very busy March. Uh, In fact, uh, there were only about, I think March had 371 and a half, and um, April had 371. February uh, was only 323 flights, so it significantly exceeded February. Liberty University was once again at the top of the list, making 27 flights in its Hawker B-200 GT jet. airplane. That's not a jet, as a matter of fact. It's better known as a 
King Air. It's a turboprop plane, widely used for corporate travel. Also, it's used by government and the military and sometimes even as an air ambulance. Where does this data come from? Well, the Dallas-based Trinity Foundation has been tracking the use of private aircraft by ministries in churches for a number of years. Uh, recently, though, the Trinity Foundation started posting graphics on Twitter to track daily usage. You can go to Pastor Plains on Twitter and uh, see their daily tweets about uh, the flights that took place in the most recent 24 hours. When I started looking at their tweets, I thought, you know what, this is something that Ministry Watch uh readers might be interested in as well. So Ministry Watch and the Trinity Foundation began working together back in January to make this project and these flight data better known to the public. That goal led us to produce this monthly list that we've been talking about. It identifies the number of flights by ministries and pastors during the month. Uh, we also have included the type of airplane and its estimated hourly operating cost. So you can kind of do some back of the envelope calculations as to how much money they're actually spending. For those of you who are plane spotters, uh, and I know that there are some of you that uh, that do that sort of thing, you might also enjoy the fact that um, we include the tail numbers of the plane. So you can go to a service like FlightAware and do some tracking of your own. Who's in the ministry spotlight this week? We have the Christian Medical and Dental Association, which began in 1931, believe it or not, uh, to be an advocacy, educational, and encouraging voice to Christian healthcare professionals. Uh, today, there are more than 40 sub-ministries that support its mission. Include They do short-term mission trips. In fact, they did 18 in the past year that included 284 healthcare professionals that cared for over 15,000 patients. Uh, CMDA also has a campus outreach. Uh, they work with more than 4,000 students a year. They participate in Bible studies and prayer breakfasts with them. And the group also speaks out on social issues such as abortion and euthanasia. You can learn more about the Christian Medical and Dental Association and see how they stack up in the Ministry Watch rating system by going to ministrywatch.com. And who did Christina Darnell feature in Ministries Making a Difference? Phoenix Rescue Mission is one that she highlighted. They distribute water, non-perishable food, toiletries, and even case management services to homeless people in the Phoenix area throughout the spring and summer months as part of its 11th annual Code Red Summer Heat Relief Campaign, which has already started because it's already topped 100 degrees in the Phoenix area a couple of times this summer. Uh, the Christian Appalachian Project has partnered with Community Bridge, uh, which is a multifaceted community resource center in West Virginia, to send truckloads of furniture and other goods uh, to folks who need it in that area. Community Bridge, by the way, started at a local church at the Kings River Worship Center, and it's now spread to more than 40 churches and 150 partnering organizations in West Virginia and neighboring states. Do you have any final thoughts before we go? Well, I want to uh, make sure that my friends in Orlando know that I'll be there on Monday for the annual meeting of the National Religious Broadcasters, and I'll be holding a lunch for readers and donors on May 22nd. That's Monday, as I said, at Carabas Italian Grill, which is uh, near the Orlando airport. If you live in the Orlando area, you should have already received an invitation. We've got about a dozen people signed up for the event, so I'm really excited about seeing some of you face-to-face. -face. I 
should mention it's absolutely free, but you do need to sign up in order to attend. Now, I'll also be doing similar lunches in Colorado Springs, Albuquerque, and Los Angeles during the month of June, in part to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Ministry Watch. So keep an eye on your inbox for invitations to those events if you live in those cities. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosel and Jeff McIntosh. We get database and other technical support from Stephen DeBerry, Emily Kern, Rod Pitzer, and Casey Sedith. Writers who contributed to today's program include Ann Steich, Bob Smetania, Emily McFarlane Miller, Adele M. Banks, Yonat Shimron, Kim Roberts, Jessica Algerade, Rod Pitzer, Christina Darnell, and you, Warren. Special thanks to the Nonprofit Times for contributing materials for this week's podcast. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.